We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field the 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Welcome to the Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark here on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We are live over on YouTube. If you're watching over there, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, jump in the chat, ask us questions. We will be answering them during breaks. My name is Rob Doster. We are presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. And make sure that you join us over at our pool on bracketfanatics.com. You can find a link in the description below, or you can use the code FIELD at bracketfanatics.com when you sign up. It's free to enter. There's a $500 prize pool. We got a lot to get into tonight. I'm joined by uh, a treacherous cast. I have former Iowa State head coach Steve Prome. I have Wake Forest legend. Randolph Childress, and I'm also joined by the one and only Ashton Gibbs of the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight, fellas. We got a lot to talk about. The ACC tournament kicked into high gear. There were a couple of buzzer beaters and one nut punch. Uh, Xavier might have seen their bubble get bursted. And I have something I need to get off my chest about Bruce Weber. Uh, but before we get into any of that, we got to talk about Wake Forest. We got to talk about the Demon Deacons. They lost today in overtime against BC. I believe they were up by 10 with about six minutes left and, uh, and kind of uh, puttered that thing away. They now have one quad win, uh, quad one win, Steve. They have two quad two losses, and they played the 338th best schedule. I'm not the, the expert here. I'm not one of the guys on fielding the 68. But I, when I look at that profile, I have a hard time saying that that's a team that deserves to be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, today was tough. You know, today was uh, an opportunity that they couldn't let slip by. And uh, obviously, I think they've made great strides in their programs in, in these first two seasons, you know, from last year to this year. But today was one they had to have, especially when you look at the non-conference, you look at their strength of schedule, and you look at the quad one wins. And uh, I still think they're going to have a chance. They're just going to have to hope the ball's bounce the right way when you look at some of these other high major tournaments that nobody steals any bids and they can still sneak in there. But I, but I would very be, I, if I'm awake, I'm going to be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Randolph. Uh, what, I, what, what I, what I agree with as well. Group? Go ahead, Ashton. Oh, no, I, I agree with coach prom as well. Um, 
in general. And one, one thing I definitely want to make is, you know, with being, you know, deeper into, you know, March Madness, you know, getting closer right now, you start to see the ups and downs of what really drives the team. And this is where, you know, predicated on your culture, your leaders, this is going to be huge. I think this is a huge time period for uh, the schools like a Wake Forest that are on the bubble. Um, you talk about Steve Forbes, Alondis Williams getting player of the year. Ultimately, when you don't have the, you know, the quality wins that you need, ultimately you need that leadership to get get over the hump. You know, that, that's what they didn't do today. What is it like? like a team, the pressure, the pressure got to them tonight to me. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought they were a team that came out thinking like, all right, we got to win this kind of like what we talked about with Duke, you know, the Duke on that, that, that movie night with, with coach K against Carolina, those kids came out with all that pressure. I think these kids came out knowing that I, I believe they know they had to win this game tonight and that, that it would have been okay if they had lost to Carolina or whatever. And, and and they they felt the pressure of it, and they just didn't perform well. They didn't answer the bell. They didn't respond to the pressure, and I, I think it cost them. I think it'll be very difficult for them to get a bid. I mean, they gotta hope everything kind of falls. But you know, as we said before, as you you already laid out, they don't have the strongest resume from the beginning. Have any of you guys ever been in that situation where you're heading into a conference tournament and it's, it's like, I, listen, I gotta I, I gotta win here if we got any chance. Uh, and I don't just mean, you know, when you're Steve, when you're at uh, Murray State or if you guys know you're not going to get that at large, but have you ever been in a situation where it's basically you win or you're you're probably not going to get a bid in any of you guys? No, I haven't. From a standpoint of, you know, Murray State, you kind of take that off because you know, for the most part, you're probably not going to get in that large, you know, though maybe you think you should. Uh, but Iowa State, you know, when I was there, it was, we knew we were either going or I kind of knew, hey, we had to win the tournament to get in. We knew we probably weren't going from that standpoint. So, no. We were. We actually, the last time Wake was in the tournament, it was that way. We ended up, I think, it was if it wasn't senior night, it was close to senior night. We had to beat Louisville. That was that that was that big win, beating Louisville, and then we went, we had to win and we won a game in a tournament. I think we lost to to Virginia Tech in the second round, and they were they were ranked, so it didn't hurt us. And then that's how we ended up getting in the last four in, but we had to get that Louisville win and get a and we could not lose that first round game. I want to say it was the BC. And we won that game. And then, like we're talking about now, the second round loss to Virginia Tech with, with, with Buzz Williams and those guys didn't hurt us. And we were able to get in the last four in. But had we lost that game, we were done. Right. So, uh, what, what, is that, what is the pressure like in that moment? Does it wear, are you aware of it? Like, how much do you guys pay attention? You know, what to it's the, the funny thing is, is we were aware of it, but we were like, all right, let's just keep it loose and not even talk about it with our guys. Like, you, you know, you got to block out the noise as much as you can and just, you know, you kind of carry it like, don't worry about that. We're in, we're going in this trying to win it. They just looked like they talked about it and they, you know, they just, you know, I, I wasn't in a locker room, obviously, but they didn't obviously didn't respond well to the pressure tonight. Yeah. No, and the one thing a when you look at from a standpoint of Wake Force on normal years in the ACC, they're in because of the strength of the league and what they did. I think the problem this year is when you look at their strength of schedule and you look at those games, it's because the ACC hasn't been as strong. And so those wins don't resonate as much in conference. And I think tomorrow's uh, <laughs> the, the big bubble matchup tomorrow in the ACC is going to be Virginia Tech taking on Notre Dame. And I think that's pretty much the perfect example of what you're talking about. Right, Prom? I think uh, Notre Dame finished, what, second in the, the ACC regular yep. season this year? And they are – 
I mean, they basically have to win to solidify themselves for fielding the 68. We have them as one of the, uh, the, the last four in, we have them playing in a playing game, Ashton. So I, I do think that this is an example of kind of, this is just what the ACC is this year. Oh, for sure. You know, uh, I, I, obviously it's not one of the top conferences and I haven't had a, a great ACC uh, or, or great season with, with my Pitt Panthers, you know, but <laughs> overall the ACC is down for sure. Now, Randolph, you mentioned, uh, I think probably about a week ago that you thought Virginia Tech was the team that could sneak up on some people in, right. in this ACC tournament. They almost blew a lead to Clemson, but they found a way to get it done. Darius Maddox hit a three at the buzzer in overtime. Uh, do you think they can, can they win tomorrow? Can they beat Notre Dame? I think they can. I, I, I think they can. Actually, I, I called the game when they beat them at home. I mean, obviously, this is a neutral site game, and they're going to pose an issue with, for Notre Dame inside. I mean, they're a good defensive team. They have the bodies to throw inside, you know, to, to balance out Atkinson, and, and, and the biggest difference is going to be that Mutz and Lezetsky, uh matchup. You know, one's more inside, one more's outside. But they got the perimeter defenders to defend on the outside. I mean, that that's a – Virginia Tech probably feels good about that matchup. How, how dangerous are they? They're a balanced team. I mean, I, I'll say this. They're, they're probably one of, the, they're one of the few ACC teams that has a bench. Like you saw Maddox got – if you watched them, Maddox didn't get any burn early in the year. And now as the season's going on, then they playing the backup point guard who ended up – the freshman being on the court, uh, Padula, is now starting to be on the floor late game. So they're starting to go into their bench and go like eight or nine deep that a lot of teams in the conference just can't, you know, they don't have. And you'll need that. If they're going to go on a run, they're going to need, what, four games to do it. So they're going to have to. Mm -hmm. Yep. Steve, I'm sorry. I cut you off there. I was just saying, if I'm Wake Forest, I'm probably hoping Notre Dame wins that game because Notre Dame's pretty much already in the field. When you really look, if you took a straw poll, Virginia Tech can work its way in. And you don't want Virginia Tech. You know, all these teams have two or three more days to get ahead of Wake Forest right now, to get ahead of Xavier right now. And so you need them eliminated as quickly as possible. So that's a big, you know, you know, Randolph and all the Wake guys, they're, they're big Notre Dame fans, I would think, tomorrow. You know. Yeah. And that's Virginia so Tech stressful. just – I think the offensive flow just, you know, for Virginia Tech and the way Mike Young runs, you know, his offense, reversing the ball from side to side and – getting quality shots consistently. I think that's, you know, it's tough to scout as well, you know, to your points too. Yeah. That's gotta be so stressful just sitting there where all you're doing is, is rooting for these, these 11 teams that are going to be right there on the bubble to lose. And then you have to go and watch the Atlantic 10 or the mountain West or the American, these conferences that probably are going to be one or two bid leagues that have some teams that can make a little bit of noise in there. I, I can't, I can't imagine what that what that stress level is like. Have you have any of you been in that situation? You don't know. I mean, like I told you with us, we didn't know. We were just sitting there. You do the meetings, you do everything, you know, the right way. You kind of practice kind of like we don't know. The question is going to be, but, you know, there's a big letdown if you're talking about expecting to go to the tournament and then, all right, I end up going to the NIT. And then you got to have those conversations like, all right, do I really do I want to play into that? You know, we had a situation with that one year and we were like, we didn't get into it. And they were like, guys, you want to play? And they was like, no, it was in, we tournament was in Greensboro. And before we got back to uh, Winston-Salem, guys on the bus was like, nah, we don't, we don't want to play. Like, that's it. Like, we're ready, to, we're ready for it to be over with. So that that's part of the letdown you got to deal with. 
Yeah. I actually had, you know, well, my first three years were, you know, pretty good for sure at Pitt. But my senior year, we actually went to the CBI and ended up ended up winning the CBI. But overall, it just wasn't a it was just different, yeah. man. When, when you're not really playing for anything, your your sense of urgency, especially the practices, you know, you got yeah, no, nobody's hanging a CBI banner. Nobody's hanging a CBI banner <laughs> up in the all. gym, right? <laughs> hey, not look, I'm all. not gonna lie. I think Jeff Capel right now, if Pitt made the CBI, he might hang a CBI banner. Like, <laughs> he needs to hang anything that he can get. Um, I, I do want to ask you guys about the the Buddy Beheim situation here because for people that didn't see it uh in the opening game of the acc tournament he uh i don't even know what led to it um it looked like him and wyatt wilkes uh from uh from florida state kind of got tangled up but he very clearly swung and very clearly uh i think you could call it a punch if it wasn't a punch he he swung uh, a closed fist and hit uh wyatt wilkes in the uh i don't know if he was going for for a nut shot or if he was just trying to hit him in the stomach but he he definitely hit him in the midsection and he ended up getting suspended for a game. Uh, that is Sarah, that, uh, that effectively ends his Syracuse career if they lose to Duke. And that is not an ideal situation, I don't think. But I think it's it, prom. Is that is that the right decision? Like, what do you? I don't really know what you do in this spot. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. Obviously, it happened. He 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 made a play in the game he shouldn't have made. It, you should he shouldn't have done. Uh, it's a big, you know, Syracuse, obviously, they've got an opportunity tomorrow against Duke. They've got a chance still to obviously try to get an, uh, an automatic bid by winning the ACC tournament. So it hurts them from that standpoint. But, you know, I think it's something that I guess we all learn that, you know, you can go back, look at the tape. If you see something like that that happened and transpired during the game and go back and make a decision. And so, you know, in that situation shouldn't have been done. And, you know, obviously they got you got to be held accountable. And um, and so the one game suspension for for his sake and his dad's sake, hopefully they can upset Duke so he can get back on the court. I feel bad I for him if it ends up. Yeah, go ahead, it, go ahead, Ashton. I feel bad if it ends up being his last game, man. You know, obviously the emotions, it's still younger, you know, young kids at the end of the day. So emotions get the best of you. Obviously, he should never hit them, but. Ultimately, if you end your career, your college career like that, that's tough, you know, on a, you know, such an emotional decision like that. Because we all, we've all, you know, kind of been through it. Yeah, but ain't none of us throw a punch, though, and expect to. Well, again, sure. I, I read uh, Jay's comment about it earlier today. I don't know if you guys saw Jay kind of mm-hmm. post about it. I, I think you had to do something. And they missed, they blew it during the game. No doubt about it. They blew the call during the game. They should have done something, you know. I, I don't understand why you that frustrated and you're up 40 anyway. It's not it's not like the game was close. And I think what hurt him too was, you know, I, I thought Beheim, Coach Beheim, was in dad mode when he went to the press conference. And having coached my son, I get that. There, you know, you you you're that's a that's something you're cognizant of all year. You know, you you say it, yeah, I'm on a coach. When I'm on a court, I'm just coach, but a lot, you know, off the court, I'm dad or whatever, but you're always dad. Like, stop it. You're always dad. You're always on the clock. And that's just, you know, it's comp, you know, I'm, I'm, he's pushing my son around, man, it's basketball. Like, come on. You know, the kid made a mistake. It's unfortunate. You know, it's, it's sad because it, it'll be, that's how his career is ended. But what, what would the punishment going to be if it was in game? I mean, what else are you going to do? Just throw him out the rest of that game? That was nothing. Cause it was a 40 point game. 
No, and if you get a flagrant two for throwing a punch, isn't it an automatic one game suspension? Automatic anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's I I, I get why I get why Syracuse is the that that group is going to be frustrated with the way that this works out. Because I mean, look, they can they can be Duke when when their guys are making shots with they made shots today against Florida State, they can be Duke. But your your kid threw a punch, and I, I'll tell you this: I think one of the biggest issues that Syracuse has right now as a team is that it's a little bit too much of daddy ball. So when you – I mean, RC, when you say that Jim Beheim went to that press conference in dad mode, he spent this entire damn season in dad mode. And I think that's why we're looking at a situation where Syracuse is what they are right now. They're under 500, man. Look, I, I get it's fun. Like, he's been in the business for 50 years, whenever, whatever it is. He can kind of do what he wants. He can go away when he wants. If he wants to have a chance to coach his sons, awesome. I have a son. I would love to. I, I coached him. I, I had a blast coaching him in six-year-old basketball yeah. where all I'm doing is babysitting and trying to make sure they don't kill each other, chasing after the ball in these mosh pits. But So I get it. But it's also that's kind of why they are in the position that they're in right now. Uh, but listen, we got to pay the bills here. Coming up next, Xavier goes down. We're going to talk about whether or not they are still on the right side of the bubbles cut line. You're clear. Dagan, do we have any questions coming in on the chat? I'm going to be honest. I've been watching the scene home game more than I've been watching the chat, but I'll look through and then find, <laughs> and find some. I've been doing the same. <laughs> what's, what's the score? 55, 53 seat halls up. Four seconds left. What, what are they reviewing? Seat hall with the ball. Uh, to see, if, yeah, but say to see who it went off of. But anyway, here's a question for you. Kind of talking bubble. We're talking Xavier coming up. But out of these teams, who deserves to be left out? Wake, Xavier, or SMU? All of them. Yeah, all, all three today. If you're one of the teams where someone has to ask if you deserve to be left out, you probably deserve to be one left minute. out, and you're going to be lucky to be in the playing game. Those are uh, one seeds in the NIT right now tonight. Yeah. Arizona State even, was up 14 with three minutes left, and they lost. That's impressive. That's hard, that's hard to, do. to do. That's hard to do. That is hard to do. 30 seconds. <laughs> Dave, we got anything else in the chat? Uh, yeah. Who is a sleeper in – it says Big 12, Big 10, SEC tournament. Give me a sleeper in any of the Power 6 tournaments. TCU, baby. 17-1 to 1 over at Bet River Sportsbook. You like that like one, Pro? That. I like that one. And I, uh, I like TCU. I can't see TCU. I like that. Yeah, come on. I it's Jamie. That's because like you're Jamie I'm, guy. I'm going Dixon I, all the way, man. Yeah, I, I don't know if Ten a sleeper team will win the Big 12 tournament. I mean, I think it'll be one of those top couple seeds, yeah. in my opinion. Five. Big 12. Same with the SEC. There you go. We are live. It is the Field of 68 After Dark. We are coming to you on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We're live on YouTube. If you're over there watching, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, jump in the chat, ask us questions. We will be answering them during breaks. Rob Doster here with Ashton Gibbs, Randolph Childress, and Steve Pro, my illustrious guests. Uh, we need to talk about Xavier. We need to talk about Travis Steele, because the Musketeers found a way uh, to lose in the first round of the Big East tournament. They found a way to do the one thing that they couldn't do and still really have a, a great chance to get into this NCAA tournament. They are now sitting at, I believe it's 17, eight, they're 18 and 13 on the season. Uh, they have five quad one wins. 
They have a couple of quad two law or quad three losses. This is their second quad three loss. Uh, Ashton, I'm going to you first on this one. Uh, first and foremost, when you lose this many games in a row that they've lost on the stretch of the season, I believe it's 10 of their last 14 games. Should you be allowed to be in the tournament? Should we weigh some of these games that happen later in the season more? Uh, I, I would think so. Anytime you lose that many, um, it, it's tough for me to put you in. I just, you know, watching the game today, I obviously love how Paul Scruggs, you know, plays. He plays hard. And, you know, that was a little bit to his detriment, you know, obviously at the end of the game. But um, I just thought defensively they didn't guard the ball in the second half. One-on-one defense, you know, Butler got into the lane whenever they wanted. And then they overhelped too much as well, you know, in uh, those closeouts on those catch and shoots. They couldn't really get out there. And, you know, for a team to be on a bubble like that, you expected a little, you know, more sense of urgency, especially in the second half. Um, guys that are playing hard, but, you know, just getting through the ups and the downs, you know, the momentum, the, the momentum of the game. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I don't have them in. So uh, and they, they needed this win, you know, more than anything, obviously. But the one thing they got going for them, if, the, if you're going to look from a positive standpoint, is five quad one wins. And I know we've talked analytics and, you know, we've talked about that and beat that to death all year. They've got five quad one wins. So if I'm them, I would be sleeping more comfortable than Wake Forest with just one quad one win. And that's just my opinion, because if you're really just going to punch the numbers that way. But you got to be sick if you're Xavier, just the way it ended. You know, I, was, I, I put the game on after I got home, picking up my son from school. It's 66-60. And I text you guys like, is this good? Does, they, does this close? Does this put Xavier in? And I'm watching the game with my son. He's like, it's just, just a two-possession game, Dad. And the next thing you know, man, you know, Scruggs makes a great play. Misses the free throw, and then obviously miscommunication. Steal, no question, wanted a foul only if they were up three. Scruggs, you know, unfortunately makes the mistake, fouls, and then Butler dominates overtime, and and they put themselves in a tough position the way they just finished the season. You hate that because, you know, I saw them in the early part of the year. I talked about them really throughout most of the preseason and early conference. I thought they had a really good basketball team. But what caught up with them? Shooting. It's what we talked about. Shooting and guard play three for 15 from three, 13 for 29 from the free throw line. Yep. That's not going to get it done when you have a front court that can't guard anyone, RC. I think to me, that's the biggest issue with this group is trying to play Zach Fremantle and Nick, uh, Zach Fremantle, Jack Nungy together is just something okay. that was, yeah, that was a recipe for disaster. Rob, let me ask you this now. Let's say it comes down to Wake. Who would you put in the tournament if you had to pick one between Xavier and Wake? And I what think, metrics are you using to decide how they get in? I, I think that uh, Wake Forest probably would get left out in that situation just because uh, if you look at the resumes and you look at what has actually been accomplished and you look at the fact that uh, Xavier went out and, and challenged themselves a little bit more in non-conference play, um, I think that you should reward that. Uh, that said, I would rather see Wake Forest in the NCAA tournament than Xavier. I, I just don't – I entirely disagree with the sentiment that, like, a team that has lost 10 of their last 14, that is very clearly playing their worst basketball of the season, should get in over someone that has done something else. To me, I mean, I, I would make the comparison Xavier or Rutgers, right? Rutgers was awful for the first month of the year. They've been playing great. They finished fourth in the Big Ten. Give me Rutgers over Xavier. 
right? Is that uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Teams grow during the year. Some of them grow up. Some of them grow down. I just uh, I I would rather see a team that played their way in than someone that won a couple games early. Like when you when you come down to having to pick between one or the other, is, is that is that crazy? Am I wrong there? No, Rutgers. No, I mean, there's no wrong. In, yeah. yeah, no. I mean, it's one of those from you would think you would think they should be in being fourth. But, but it's right. kind of like Notre Dame second in the ACC. That's what's yeah, so we're questioning. It. Yeah, that's what's so different now than you know. I finished college in the mid '90s. I know Randolph, you played in the mid '90s. You know, back then, it, if you're second or fourth in these leagues, it's not. We're not even debating that. I mean, you know, you're in. When I mean, have we ever debated a Power Five conference finishing second place in a Power Five conference, and we're yeah, like, that's true. Are or they really second, like fourth? ever? Yeah, never. Yeah. I mean, like, ever. And we're second, the, yeah, in the ACC, you know, and we don't know if they're in, you know, Rutgers is fourth and we don't know if they're in. I, to me, that's mind boggling. Do you guys remember in, uh, was it 2012 when Washington won the Pac-12 regular season mm-hmm. title, but they went seven and six in non-conference play and they ended up not getting in that large bid. You guys remember that? I do. That, that was when, uh, that was when the Pac-12 was a mid-major. And I guess the Pac-12 is still a mid-major because they're going to get, what, three bids this year? <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. RC, we've talked about this a little bit before, but is it time for, for Xavier to make a, a coaching change? Like, I, I feel bad putting you guys on the spot, um, but I, I will say this. Travis Steele, this was supposed to be the year that Travis Steele got it done. You get Paul Scruggs back. You get Jack Nungy in. He built this roster. This is his team. This is his program. They collapsed again. Uh, they've lost ten of their last fourteen games. If they get let out of the tournament, like what? What are you? What are you waiting for at that point? You give them one more year to see if you can get it done. This was supposed to be that year that you got to try to get it done. Four years, you, no tournaments in Xavier. That's tough. You can't feel good about it. And the question is going to be: Is that we talked about this earlier? So if you're going to go into next year with so many lame duck coaches, unless you're sitting here telling me he got a massive buyout, then if you're going to make the change, that, that that's just something that I agree. In general, if you're going to make the change next year, then just pay everybody and go. Now, it's easy to say that in the pandemic. I'm not, I, I don't know. I, hold, holding our hope. I'm not, I mean, I like those guys. I don't like calling for anybody's job. I know the effect that it has and it's, and it's brutal, but you also know you got to win, you know, and it's not like we're talking three or four years. This is what, year five? Uh, year four. Finishing year four. Year. year four. Yeah. So I would, I'd say, I'd say he he gets next year. I, I think you got to give him next year. I mean, this was, but this there's no great. There's nothing. There's nothing that happened this year that makes you look at next year to feel positive about it. I'll say that. But I do think you got to give him next year. You got to. I think the COVID year. the the COVID year kind of messed you know a lot of a lot of teams up just in general as well. Um, but anytime you have a transfer portal like this, also. You know anything? Anything can change with one transfer, a couple transfers, and you know a, a high school guy. Uh, depending on your culture, you know it, it could literally turn turn around quickly. So I, I'll never really count you know many guys out, especially when he's this close to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and they've been right on the brisk of the NCAA tournament all three years, the last three yeah. years. I mean, the only really – they were in Maui with us my uh, my fourth year at Iowa State, and they were out there. That was his only kind of subpar year. Every uh, His last three years, they've been right there, on the bubble, right there to get in. And they still may get in. 
You know, when you look, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got five quad one wins and you got to hang your hat on that. And they just can't hope Virginia Tech wins the SEC tournament that, um, you know, somebody like Florida wins the SEC tournament. You know what I mean? You don't need any surprises and they still may get in from that standpoint. But, you know, just, you know, leading your team through COVID and different things like that that happened over these last couple of years, that's not easy. And, you know, that can change a lot of different things. And, but that's just the reality. And it's part of the business though. And so you got to look. They, they have the best resume though, of these teams that we're talking about. No question. That they, they have the best resumes. So I, I think the, the only thing we're talking about though, is it just seems to be a pattern that they're, they're fading late in the season. Like what is going on? Like you got to address why is it something that you can be done? It's not a matter of coaching or whatever the talent there's not a talent issue at Xavier. So it's like, what's going on? Why are we fading these last three years? Because it very easily could have been tournament teams. Yep. To so your point, they lost five of their last, they lost five of their last eight games in 2020. Uh, and they lost six of the last eight games uh, last season. And then 10 of their last 14 this year, which is not, it's not a promising trend. If you're Xavier, you're basically, you're rooting that Michigan beats Indiana tomorrow. And you're hoping that, uh, VCU loses in the first round of the A-10 tournament, and you hope that UNLV beats Wyoming then loses in the second round of the Mountain West tournament situation. You want SM, SMU to lose. You want all of these teams that are in that same region as you uh, to end up losing. Can I go on a yeah. rant about, about Bruce Weber, guys? Yeah, because I had a good lead, and I was about to lead you right into Bruce Weber because I was, I was talking to my wife, and I showed her that. I was showing, I told her about Bruce Weber's press conference tonight, and it's kind of the highs are so high in this business and the lows are so low, you know, and that's just the reality of it. And that's what it's tough about what we do, but there's a great quote. I sent coach Richie from Furman after they got beat and you guys know it's Ashton Randolph. Y'all played at a high level. Like you'd rather be in the dance and feel the pain, you know, than not even be danced at all, yep. you know? So whether you lose by to Chattanooga on a half court shot or you win some championships and you end up getting fired, man, I'd have rather danced and been a part and been in the middle of it than never done it at all and never experienced it. And so, but the highs are so high and the lows are so low, but, you know, Bruce has done a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Yeah, I, that, that's that's my thing with this, right? Like, look, it, it might be time. It might be time to to make a change there, right? He's he's getting older. The program isn't trending in the right direction. They finished in ninth or tenth place the last three years of the Big Twelve. I get it. He's been there for nine years. Sometimes you just need new blood, right? It is what it is. But don't you don't have to sit here and make signs to say bye bye, Bruce at the game. Like you don't have to sit here begging for him to be fired. You don't have to sit here like passing around jars asking for money to be able to go pay Brad Underwood's buyout. One, you're not getting Brad Underwood. Okay, he just won the Big Ten regular season title at Illinois. He might be an alum, but you're not getting him at, 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 at Kansas State. Not right now. And two, can you put some respect on a guy's name that won you two Big 12 regular season titles in the last decade? The last time they won a Big 12 regular season title before Bruce Weber got there was in 1977. Can, can I add to that? Because I'm like you. Like, what the hell? Like, you're Kansas State, dude. Stop it. Like, yes. like, stop it. You're Kansas State. <laughs> like, like, stop it, dude. Like somebody and, and some of these schools are, are doing stuff and then you ranting and raving. And I, I get it. Everybody wants to win. Some of you are hanging on the banners of, of championships and stuff from the 60s or the 70s or even the 80s and 90s. Like, stop it. 
Put some just, money in the program. Put some money in. Get re, re, just when you start putting the money into that program, then you can start talking. But don't act like you just can. Brad Underwood, man, stop it. It'll, he ain't coming to no damn Kansas State. Like, like, like get the hell out of here. Like, he Illinois. just won a Big Ten title, and he's yeah. going to leave Illinois. Man, stop it. Yeah, and, and here's my thing. Look, l- listen to the coaches they've had at Kansas State. And, and Bruce brought this up at his press conference, Steve. They had Lon Kruger. They had Dana Altman. They had Bob Huggins. They had Frank Martin. Those are four guys that are – there are – I think you could probably say Lon and Bob Huggins are going to end up being – Hall of Famers, right? And Dana Altman and Frank Martin are both very, very good at what they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, None of those four won a Big 12 regular season title. Bruce Weber did. You know what else he did? He ended Kansas reign atop that conference. He and Chris Beard were the two guys that won the Big 12 regular season title in 2019 that ended that streak for Kansas. He made an Elite Eight in 2018. It is perfectly justifiable to say, look, you know what? We need to make a change. This is not working, Bruce. We, 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 need to, we need to go a different direction. But have some respect for what that guy accomplished. He did things at that program that nobody else has done at that program since I've been alive. Just put some respect on it, okay? Be nice about it. And he's a nice guy, too. Like, he's not, he's not an <laughs> asshole. Just, just be nice to the guy, okay? He's clearly hurting that he's losing. Listen, we got we to gotta pay the bills here. But uh, – Coming up next, we're going to talk about more coaching changes stuff. I'm going to put Randolph Childress, who is a native of the DMV, on the spot, and he's going to tell us how you fix Maryland basketball. You're clear. I had to get that ran out. I just had to do it. No, you was right, man. Like, like I, I, I didn't want to go too hard on those dudes because I don't feel like listening to all my Twitter shit go crazy. But you're Kansas <laughs> State. Get the hell out of here, man. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I mean, man. Beasley ain't walking through the door, bro. Beasy, Mike Beasley <laughs> ain't coming back. <laughs> like, you don't have that pipeline coming from D.C. getting players and all them. That, that's over. Like, stop it. They yeah. push Dixon out. That pit. That's what we going through right now. Pushing yeah. Dixon out, I think. The, the, nah, the grass, I, the grass nah, is not always greener on the other side, man. The grass is not always greener. You fired Jamie Dixon to go get Kevin Stallings, okay? <laughs> One minute. And I'll, yeah, he had, a, he had a good resume at you know at Vanderbilt. He did well. Yeah, I get it, but it didn't work, right? Like uh, it's just. Yeah. And like I, I think said, the biggest thing that hurt Pitt is where you rank from a Big East standpoint to coming into the ACC. Yeah, where you rank oh, from yeah. the jump. And I it's think they day. overvalued it where they came in. They but expected think about the, the guys, Big East results. Th- think about the guys. Thirty were, seconds. Like your teams, Ashton. Think about where those dudes came from. You had tough motherfuckers from yeah. New York city, from New Jersey, from, uh, from Philly, from like, all from, from the East coast. Right now, those kids, they want to play in the big East. Yeah. They don't want to go play in the ACC. Like you lost what your Ten identity seconds. was. And what that, that was the, exactly. That's what I was about to say. Identity. Yep. Here we go. We are back. I had to let the music play a little bit. That's a throwback. I've heard that song in a long time. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live. Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We're live over on YouTube. If you're watching over there, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. All of that stuff really does help out the channel. I got to tell you guys about something really quick. It is Bracket 
bracketfanatics.com. I mentioned it earlier, but we are running a field of 68 pool over at Bracket Fanatics, the best website to host an NCAA pool for you and your friends providing a bracket experience unlike any other bracket fanatics is similar to yahoo and espn you can invite friends you make picks you watch those picks go up in flames what makes bracket fanatics different is that they eliminate the hardest part of running a pool the payouts everyone that joins your pool must pay an entry on the site once the ncaa tournament ends bracket fanatics handles the payout for you based on whatever parameters you set the worst thing about running a pool is having to chase down guys like Jeff Goodman who don't <laughs> want to pay their entry fees. This handles that issue for you. And you can make side bets all tournament long because who doesn't love side bets? You know, my bracket usually gets busted in the first weekend, but I'll make all of that money back once Randolph gets a little bit too cocky with the, with the picks that he makes in the first round. So head on over to bracketfanatics.com. Join the field of 68's bracket group. It's free to enter and make sure you host your pool on Bracket Fanatics for the absolute best March Madness experience. Sign up today and use the code FIELD when you get there. Guys, Randolph Childress, Ashton Gibbs, Steve Pro. My name is Rob Dosser. We need to talk about some of these, uh, these major coaching openings. Maryland is still open. Louisville is still open. Louisville actually lost tonight. So I think that we should start there. Uh, what it, it's tough for those guys, right? I, I feel for that Maryland staff for what they've gone through. They basically played out a season knowing that they were going to have to get a new job by the time that the year ended. Uh, sometimes they did not play well. They actually tried hard tonight. I was, I uh, thought that that was nice to see that they put in a little bit of an effort. Uh, so Pegues, Mike Pegues, his guys, they're probably on their way out. What would you do here, Steve? What, how do you, how would you go about rebuilding this this Louisville program and giving back to what it was where they're competing for national titles and ACC titles? Well, I think, number one, you just got to find the right fit. That's why, uh, and I know nothing about from the coaching who Louisville really wants, but that's why I thought Kenny Payne uh, would be a great hire because of a couple reasons. Obviously, he played there, and he was a really, really good player there. Uh, he's been a part of a lot of success uh, at his time at Kentucky, um, you know, with Coach Cal and did a phenomenal job there. Obviously, he's with the New York Knicks uh, now. But I just think his ability, he knows Louisville. He knows the campus. He knows the city. He knows their tradition. He knows the history. And he can reconnect that whole program, the former players, you know, he can touch and bring that community, bring that alumni, bring all those guys back together and get the program going in the right direction. Because it is, it is one of the – you know, if you don't want to say four or five blue bloods, it is one of the top 10, 15 elite jobs in college basketball, mm -hmm. uh, without a doubt. And so that's why I'm, if I'm from an athlete, administration, you put your administration hat on, that's what I would think Kenny Payne. Uh, but obviously, you know, a sitting power five head coach, if he doesn't get the job, you know, two or three guys, I'm sure are targeted right now to go in there, but it's gotta be somebody I think that understands Louisville and their tradition and what it's about. Well, and that can bring those guys. Let me ask back you this, together. Steve, let me ask you this. You mentioned sitting head coaches, right? Why, why would you go, if you're, if you're in a place and you're having success and you're at a good job, why would you take Louisville knowing what is hanging over the head of that program for the next two or three years, right? Knowing that they, we still don't know what they're getting from the NCAA. I think that's sometimes why they end up, you know, you want person a and you want person, then you want person B and C but if you're aligned with your administration, you can't put a price tag on that. If your family's comfortable in a situation you're at and you got alignment from above, why would you want to leave? If you're still at a place where you can compete, 
you know, for championships, if your personal life is really good, there is no reason to rock the boat from that standpoint, unless it's just a no brainer situation. Um, and so that's why sometimes it starts, you have the trickle down effect to where, man, A doesn't want to leave, B doesn't want to leave, C doesn't want to leave, and now I got to go to D or E. All right, Ashton, I'm, I'm, I'm the Louisville AD, right? I'm hiring you, giving you a four-year contract. What are you doing? He needs at least six. Give me a six-year contract, <laughs> right? Steve Prohm, your new agent. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing? How are you, how are you rebuilding this Louisville program? How are you getting it going in the right direction? I, I love the the Kenny Payne hire of what, of what Coach Steve said, but ultimately, I think they need to get a recruiter, uh, somebody that can get guys, whether it's transfers or whether it's high school guys. You, you talk about Louisville and you just think of the Russ Smiths, the Terry Roziers, the Earl Clarks, Terrence Williams. I mean, we, we can go Montrez on and Harrell. on. Montrez Harrell. We can go on and on, Terrence Jennings, about guys, the, the amount of talent level that they've had through the years uh, with guys that were just role players, like not even the top, top guys, but guys that were big time high school guys that ended up going to Louisville, that ended up being role players that won championships for years and years. So ultimately, yeah, I think Kenny Payne being at Kentucky and just, you know, playing there as well would be really good. But uh, ultimately they, they got to get the best recruiter. I think that's just unprecedented what Louisville has produced, you know, for years now. I, I know that you're a, a New York, New Jersey guy because the first player that you mentioned from Louisville, out of everyone that ever played there was Russ Smith. <laughs> Russ, Russ Smith he skipped right Russ over Smith. Purvis Ellison and went to Russ Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, New York Gouch was legend, guy. Russ that's Smith. my guy. <laughs> but let's not forget, that's what got him in trouble. The You know, what, what turned this thing south wasn't the NCAA concerns. It was, I mean, it was the NCAA concerns that made, you know, they stopped, they just started losing recruits. So it's not like Chris Mack wasn't getting it done. I mean, he was getting it done when he started. But when these sanctions started coming out and the rumors started coming out, it's like Miami. We go back a couple of years, Miami was rolling. And then mm -hmm. when this FBI stuff hit and then they start worrying about the sanctions, yeah. all it takes is a class or two to pull out. And then now it's just changed everything. Yeah. I think that that's what hurt them more. So now back to what you know Steve was saying, if I'm securing my job, it's going to take for them to go get the person they want. If, if it's not Kenny, they're going to have to give this person like a seven year deal and just guarantee them. And, but the problem you have is Steve, and I, I ask you this, if you agree, the problem you're going to have is, is whoever you give the job to, they get some momentum when they start, you have to take advantage of that momentum right from the jump. So if you are sitting here worrying about sanctions, you got to be delayed on the sanctions coming and that slows you down and you still can't get the players you need by the second year. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Because now it becomes year three. And now, now the questions start coming at you, you know, yes. do we hire the Can right you guy? Do, it? do we hire the right guy? And you'll never, and that's the issue I think they'll have. Randolph hit the nail on the head though. And, and all of us have been at that level, you know, Wake, Iowa State. If you miss one class, it's over. That can change, you know, whether guys leave early, whether guys you just missed on guys. If you miss one class at the teams you're competing against, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And they had Bryce Hopkins committed. He's a hell of a player now. You know, uh, he's at Kentucky, ended up going to Kentucky. But they had a couple other guys decommit from them. Now, I don't know all the intricacies on why they decommitted, but they did. Like Randolph said, they had some good players committed that ended up decommitting, you know, from their program. 
And if you miss one class, it's very, very tough to get it back. And now the momentum starts going another way. Because the first thing you got to do when you get a job, man, especially if you're rebuilding, is you got to get that momentum as quickly as possible going in the right direction and get your foundation built. So, see, this is why I go with Kenny Payne here and why I think he's a no-brainer. One, he brings every, every level of player back into the fold, right? Everybody loves Kenny Payne. Who doesn't love Kenny Payne? He's a Louisville guy, right? So you get all of the, the people from the Denny Crum era and the Rick Pitino era, and everyone's coming back together with this group, and, and it's one Louisville family again. Two, I don't think that you're going to get someone that is good enough to, to be at the level that you would want. Like, I, I just don't see Mick Cronin going. I don't see Eric Musselman going. I don't see Nate, o, Nate Oates going. I don't see any of those guys taking that job at this point with what's hanging over the head of that program, especially when you consider there's, you don't know who your boss is going to be, right? No one's going to go to any job when you don't know who your boss is going to be if you're at a good job. Doesn't, it doesn't all matter what. Is, all they've done is got people paid. That's all it's doing is getting people extended yeah. because yeah. nobody's, nobody's in right mind is going to take yeah. a job and, and don't know who the damn, uh, you know, the president and AD going to be like, stop. Yeah, so, and so the sanctions, have the sanctions stop. come out yet? Have the sanctions, no. do they have? No, no. You know, so, there's there's so many questions around that know, program. But, but um, if I don't, if I can't get Kenny Payne, if I'm an AD, I am probably because Mick Cronin's had success. He's been there. He's from Cincinnati. He's been at Louisville as an assistant. He's been at Murray State. He understands the landscape of the state of Kentucky from a fan base, from how it works there. I, I'd really say, all right, we got to figure out a way to get this done. Yep. RC, we got a couple minutes here before we got to head to a break, but I do want to ask you, you are from DC, which is basically, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to just call Maryland as part of DC at this, uh, mm -hmm. for, for the sake of this argument, right? Yep. Can you get that thing going again? Can you get it back to the point that it was under Gary Williams? There's all the kind of power dynamics going on within that city, in that region with the AAU coaches and the power brokers. There is the fact that you're playing in the big 10 instead of playing in the ACC. Um, there's, there's a lot going on there. So one, what would you do to get it going in? And two, do you think it's even possible to get it back to that point that it was at? You got to get somebody that got some ties to the area. It's got to have some ties to the area because <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's really with Georgetown being in a position that it's in right now, one of those two have to step up and kind of win the, you know, the recruiting battle in the area. It's a lot of good players coming out of that area year in and year out, and they're just going everywhere else but staying home. And you got to get somebody there or whoever takes over has to get some people in the area that has some ties to the power brokers and the people to get the players in there. If not, you're wasting your time. Like nobody cares about what you've done anywhere else, your title. You better have somebody in there that knows the right people in the area or, 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 you know, you're just, you're just swimming upstream. It's insane to me that the, I'm pretty sure this is correct. I think the last person to go from DeMatha to Maryland, someone let me know if I'm wrong, is Travis Garrison. Travis Garrison was the same high school class that I was. He was there 2003 to 2007. That's the last guy from DeMatha to go to yeah. Maryland. They're basically yeah. they're, like they're right. They're, they're neighbors. That's crazy when you think about it. Well, and Villanova hasn't Villanova. And I don't know Big East recruiting that. But haven't they come in there and gotten the guys, Josh, a lot of guys Josh Hart. From Chris you know, Jenkins from team takeover and from Slater you know, there you know, now, Justin Moore, mm -hmm, like it's yep. not, it's mm -hmm. a pipeline. It's nonstop right. loaded mm -hmm. from that, that area. Should, and that's, that that's really happening, you know, uh, but it's creating an identity. I think once you get a, you know, a specific a certain culture, um, you know, what type of guys you need, you know, obviously you want to get 
um, guys from the area, but, you know, having an identity, we just talked about the old pit culture. Like we knew what type of guys that were coming in year by year. So it's not only um, obviously recruiting the area, but knowing, you know, what fits as well, just to keep everything going. Yeah. And, and you know, since we're on uh, the topic of, of teams from our nation's capital struggling, Steve, we got about 10 seconds. I was Carson hoping Wentz. I was going to ask, are we going to talk about Carson Wentz since we were talking Carson about Wentz. all the teams at the DMV? You know, how do you uh, feel? Are you, are you excited? You seem, you seem kind I, I of don't upset. know. I'm, I'm, I'm in neutral right now, man. I just, <laughs> uh, I'm more concerned that Chase Young gets healthy, man. We just got to get him healthy. And man, I don't know. I don't know. Emmanuel Acho, man, if you go read his Twitter, he's behind Wentz. He knows football, so I'm, I'm gonna be a believer until he proves me wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> well, fair enough. But, Listen, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta take a little, uh, take a break here to pay some bills. But I'm glad we next, got that. that in, I, I had to make sure you got that in. Coming up next, we're gonna tell you the mid majors that you need to back that have already punched their ticket to the dance. Uh, RC's the expert on them. We're gonna go to him first. Clear. All right. What do we have in the chat? There's got to be something good. In that, the was, chat that, was, that was that was quite good. I was about to ask uh, Prom for his his grade on the on the trade. So I'll I'll let that slide till later. But we have a a question from Ken Palm is a fraud, and I think this is relevant to uh, this crew <laughs> we have on tonight. Um, what are your thoughts on UConn Seton Hall? And Rob, you're not allowed to answer this because we know what your answer is already. And uh, why is Seton Hall going to win tomorrow? Because that's what yes. I want to know. Seton Hall is <laughs> going to win by 25. Stop. No Stop. Bryce Aiken, man. I can't. I can't. And go and maybe no Richmond. Richmond has that thumb thing going on. So be aware. Oh, man, it's over. It's over, man. That was it's not. Over. That was not the right answer, Ashton. Rob saying that. <laughs> Rob saying that. So he don't get his hype. Get himself all hyped yeah, up about he's it. Doing, he's he, doing. He's doing the reverse. No, he, yeah, he's doing the reverse psychology. <laughs> R.J. Cole. R.J. Cole. He first team. Big East. Yeah, I like Seton Hall to beat UConn tomorrow. I just Seton Hall six won their last six. They're nine and two in their last 11. I was just looking right now. I, I think they've got something to prove. You know, they've just had so much stuff going on this year. COVID injuries. I love Bryce Aiken. You know, obviously I know his situation, but 30. Man, Willard's tough as nails, man. I I, I like them to beat UConn tomorrow. That I like was, the Giants that was to the beat right the answer. Commanders. That was I like the, right the Giants answer. to beat the Commanders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Over, it, <laughs> it 10 to time. 6. 10 to 6. <laughs> All right, here's oh, one quick. Ten seconds. Oh, never mind. Never mind. We'll, we'll hold it. We'll hold it for the next one. Okay. Five seconds. We're back. It is the field of 68 after dark. We are live on Sirius XM channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We're streaming over on YouTube. If you're watching there, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Uh, jump in the chat, ask us questions. We answer them during the breaks. Rob Dawson with Randolph Childress, Ashton Gibbs, Steve Prome, and guys, we got to give flowers to Matt Langle, man. We got to give his, got to give him his flowers. Colgate is heading back to the NCAA tournament. Colgate, one of the uh, the worst jobs in America when it comes to the program that you are uh, you're running yet. He has won uh, four straight. Well, he's technically won three straight regular season titles and he had the best record, uh, in the COVID year. He's been to, uh, back-to-back NCAA tournaments in three of the last four years. Colgate Ashton Colgate is back in the tournament. And no, I'm not talking about the toothpaste. I, I like him. I think Matt, Matt Langle's done a great job. Um, 
you know, Nelly Cummings is actually like a, a you know, a, I was kind of his mentor. So he's, I'm really proud of him. He, he actually didn't play well tonight, but overall he's having a really good season. And uh, I, I just think I've gotten a chance to watch him. And I think offensively they can really shoot it. Um, but they do a good job of letting Nelly get downhill and make plays, not only for himself, but making plays for others as well. So the, uh, the Colgate, I believe they're the Raiders. They nearly pulled off an upset of Arkansas last year. I think they were up by 17 in the first half before Arkansas ended up coming back. Uh, who, out, out of this year's group of teams that have already clinched a spot in the NCAA tournament, who are the guys that are the most dangerous? Who are the guys that you think can, the teams that you think can make a run? RC, I know you like Chattanooga. You had them the Love other them. night. Great guards. Talk to me about them. Love him. Uh, Malachi Smith is the, the MVP of the league. I mean, he's 21 a night, but he's efficient. I mean, he's 50 plus percent from the floor, 40, you know, 40% from three, 80 plus from all. He's a big guard. He's a six, four, six, five point guard. So he's a post up. They get the right matchup. They'll be tough to beat. I mean, we saw, we all saw that shot with David Batiste hit, you know, Batiste hit. I mean, that was a great shot. He's at second leading score, but they got Silvio De Sosa in the paint, who is mm-hmm. a, a Kansas transfer. Big physical guy gives them size, but they also got like Avery Diggs is another big, the Iena kid coming from the bench. They got enough size. They are a high major size team. I think that's why they overpowered the league with their athleticism and their physical team. One of the better defensive teams. They struggle shooting from the perimeter, but if they get the right matchup where they can post guards, because they, they run like an old school offense. They'll be like, oh, I got Rob on me. Oh, I'm taking them to the post. Oh, they'll mm-hmm. run some ball screen for you to get switched and just play. They play inverted. They play inside out. They'll post their guards and space their bigs and just dive them. So, uh, but size-wise, they'll they'll match up with any high major in any power five league. And D'Souza, and I, you mentioned it, but but having him and the experience he brings to the table and his size, you know, he can match up with with a, with, with many many front court players in the country. And he's played. You know, his transition. There's sometimes I think when you transition down you can kind of carry yourself a different way thinking, Hey man, I played a high major. It's going to be easy. I went and watched them practice. I think I said this last time I was on the show, man, he was awesome in practice. He was locked in and he was awesome the other night. I mean, I think last time I saw they pop up his numbers, he had like 12 points, 14 rebounds and he's had his fair share of adversity. And it's great to see him have some success, you know, this year. He finished with 17 and 14, 17 and 14. Prome, give me give me a team that you think can uh, can make a run, and you cannot say Murray State. We know you love Murray yeah, State. Yeah, yeah. We, we've Murray talked State. about yeah, we talked about them enough. <laughs> um, they haven't made it in the tournament yet, uh, but I think they're the favorite now uh, since Iona's out. I like St. Peter's. I think they got a chance. Um, you know, we were talking about VCU. You know, they beat VCU earlier in the year, I believe. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I think that's right. I could be wrong on that. But the other team, and they haven't just say it with confidence. No one will ever know otherwise. They, they, <laughs> they. Uh, but the other team, and they haven't clinched their bid yet. But Montana State's a sneaky team to look at and see. I mean, they they've had a hell of a, a run this year and and bidding really good. You know, the teams in the Mountain West and some of the West Coast. I hate to throw them as just kind of the mid-major Cinderellas, like maybe a Chattanooga or a Murray or some of those teams. But give me St. Peter's. What do you got, Ashton? I, I like VCU. Um, you know, I think just overall playing well at the right time. We talked about it earlier, Rob. Like in the beginning, you know, obviously the beginning of the 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.